broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Atari Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. There's nothing exciting about being the number one draft pick when you're one in 15. It just means you suck. <laughs> that guy didn't sound too excited at all either. Who is that guy? Is that the the call-in thinkers? Yeah. <laughs> that guy. Fan? I know. Or Jets fan. I said this today. There's so much going on around here, and I love the buzz around it. That means people are talking about it. I got fake Twitter all over the place right now. Mm. Um, but I said today, I'm I'm a little tired of this one. Uh, obviously tired of a couple things today on the show already. But I'm a little tired of, well, the Jags have been bad forever, so they're always going to be bad. I, I I just don't buy that. I, I think that's the epitome of lazy. Because, first of all, I'll give you an example of a bunch of teams that, sure, haven't been able to turn it around. I'll give you a bunch of teams that have been able to turn it around. Yeah. And that's sports. You know, it, it's cyclical like that. I mean, shoot. Patriots did it in the most dominant way ever, maybe, ever. Pittsburgh Steelers are, are not far from this, too, if you go way back in their history. But more modern, again, this guy grew up in New England. Patriots were a joke. Like, Patriots were a bigger joke than people in Jacksonville want to think the Jags are. Mm-hmm. I mean, Nobody went. It's freezing cold. It was an awful stadium. It were fights all over. That's I, I always say this. That's what I remember about going to Patriots games is seeing grown men fight each other. Like that's that. There was a fight like in every section <laughs> because it was cold and people were miserable and they hated life and they hated the Patriots and they just kept get. There was no hope or whatever. Mm. So and then obviously you know what happened in the last twenty to twenty five years. So they're the greatest example of it. But, but even beyond that, like I, you don't have to show me proof of it. I just think, like, what fun is it to sit here and say, well, Jags, uh, they'll probably make a bad move at GM. They'll probably make a bad move at head coach. And Trevor Lawrence probably won't work out because you're the Jags. Well, that's one heck of a way to, to live. I mean, no, but, yeah. but, but listen, Brent, some people are just miserable, man. Yeah. And, but they have every right to be. Like, even, like, listen, the Jaguars aren't the first team – um, to have a decade-long run where they've been bad. You just mentioned the Patriots, and that's that's a great example. But at the same time, like, did the Patriots lose Jalen Ramsey? Did the Patriots lose Yannick Ngakwe? Did, did the Patriots have Tom Coughlin say he expects 100% participation? Did the Patriots say have, like, you know, whatever the most grievances in NFL history for a season? No. So, like... There's a difference there between being bad and being bad, but also being embarrassing. And, like, I think in terms of the optics, fans are embarrassed and they're frustrated. Now, you have every right to be. Now, I'm going to go on the side of, listen, I understand it's been bad for the past decade, but let's have some hope now, right? Things are turning around, hopefully turning around for the better. So you have the right to be happy and you have the right to be optimistic. But I get the other side where fans are still kind of fed up and said, look at what our team's been able to accomplish the past couple of years. Yeah. I, I get it. I, I get that. But I think that's why there's also this buzz around town that we can all feel. Because I feel like there is hope, right? Even if you're, okay, that is the evidence, the last 10 years. And by the way, there's also evidence of the first five, six, seven years of this franchise being very good, and nobody would anticipate that when your franchise is born, you know? And so that was unexpected. And, of course, this latest run of 11 out of 12 years, I would say, is unexpected because nobody plans for that. And there are the Cleveland Browns and the Detroit Lions and the Bills and, and all these different um 
you know, franchises that have just not been able to get it done. But there is a buzz in Jacksonville that just feels like, hey, maybe this is it. You know, this is it. And this feels like there's there's something here that hasn't been here before. Not just this, uh, we hope <laughs> this might get turned around, but, man, we think this might get turned around. You know, it's more that. It's more of an exclamation point than it is a question mark. And part of that is because you have something that you've never had, and that is that number one overall pick with a possible franchise-changing quarterback in play. That marriage has never happened in all the bad off-seasons of the Jags. No, I understand that. But, like, look at it from a defeated, miserable fan's perspective. Like, for the past decade, they've been in a relationship with the Jacksonville Jaguars. He had one good year. And then the other nine years were horrible. You wanted to get out, but you couldn't because you're, you're, you're committed. You're pot committed to that relationship. So when something better comes along now and things start to turn around, it's just not easy to say, oh, okay, well, the first 10 years, I mean, it was what it was, but now I'm excited. Now it's like, hey, let's go to Ruth Chris. Let's have a date. Like, no, nah, it's not how it works, man. Some people, it takes time to get over those things. And for the past decade, you've had a lot to nitpick about. You've had a lot to complain about. People just need time, Brent. Time heals all wounds. Yeah, yeah, and, and uh, I will say this, too. Uh, you know, you've got to prove it. Jacksonville, the franchise, the, the team of it, they have to prove it. And they're going to wear the, this new group, Trevor Lawrence, unfortunately, whoever the coaches, they, well, I always say this, they'll wear the last 12 years of this angst of the fan base that has not been able to win. That's built up, and they can't do anything about it. It might be game one for Trevor Lawrence in September, but it's game 160-something of losing for yeah. the Jacksonville Jaguars fans. That's just built in. A guy that knows a little bit about that mm, emotional roller coaster joins us now. Jason Fitz from ESPN Radio Spain and Fitz, 7 o'clock on ESPN all across the country. Hey, uh, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Hope your holidays were great, man. Well, they were, and I was thinking of you guys. So I'm just going to I'm gonna lay myself right. I was just listening to the conversation. But I was thinking of you guys uh, when I was watching the college football semifinal game. I was watching in my house. Michael Jr., we were sitting socially distanced watching the game <laughs> in the house. And uh, I made my case. It might change my mind, and I think it's important to, to hear this for a second because I've often said for the Jets, for example, that their, their roster is so dumpster fire. I don't care if Mahomes is a quarterback. They still only win four games. So trade the pick, get as many as you can, and, and let somebody else take on Trevor Lawrence. That's been my lo- logic for a long time with the top pick, which you guys now hold. And Mike said, look, you're not wrong. You can find a quarterback not at the top overall pick. In fact, if you look right now at the rankings, most of the top rankings – involved quarterbacks that are not number one overall picks. The difference is Trevor Lawrence is the closest thing to a sure thing that we've seen since Andrew Luck. And that's Mike's take, and he's right. You know, it changed my mind, and I looked at it and said, you know what, you're right. For all the crapshoot that the draft is, it is rare that we have a quarterback coming out that everybody consensus looks at and says, this guy is not just a guy, he is the guy. And he's a generational the guy that we will bank everything on. We forget that there were question marks around Patrick Mahomes. We forget that there were question marks even around Deshaun Watson, right? Like, it is rare that you can look. Even Baker Mayfield, pick number one, still had questions. There is not a single question mark from any person about Trevor Lawrence. And that is why Jags fans today should feel better than they have ever felt because they're going to draft somebody that universally every college football expert and every NFL expert believes 
is a franchise superstar quarterback that can change the tide of a generation. Jason Fitz, uh, that's, hey, hey, yeah, chills, and everybody loves to hear that, and I think that's important to hear because that's where we're at. It's yeah, we've been through off seasons. They've had money before. They've had young teams before. We can see a little young talent. They've had new coaches before, and that energizes people sometimes. But we never had a number one pick with the perfect marriage and perfect timing of a guy coming out that might be a game changer in the entire league, and and we're gonna run with that until that's proven otherwise. But I think you come from an interesting spot because. I think the Raiders, and you're a Raiders guy, but the Raiders have taken some steps. But obviously they didn't take enough of a step this year. And in part because there are still many doubters, even after a good season from Derek Carr, there's not this full faith in that guy being the guy, right? No, a thousand percent. And look, the number one thing that a quarterback gives you is hope. That's it. But when you talk about hope, look at Chargers fans today. They're, They're enamored with Justin Herbert. To which I say, remember in 2016 when Derek Carr was an MVP candidate? Like, you can see one good year, you know, and, and then you look at, you, you can look at Baker Mayfield, uh, everybody after his rookie year. This guy's going to be the guy, a sensation. And then the next year, he was hot garbage, and suddenly, oh, he's not the guy. So, yeah, I think the difference is when you've got your quarterback, then you believe it's up to your front office to maximize everything else that's around him and figure out a way to get it done because you have hope. That is the thing that opens. That's the window that opens. And, you know, and hope comes from two different perspectives. Look at Ryan Tannehill. He was supposed to be hope, and then apparently he wasn't because Adam Gase tried to ruin him. And then he became hope for the Titans. So you've got to see sustained greatness to have hope. And that's part of why I think Jags fans have hope is because Trevor Lawrence has given us sustained greatness at a level at the college level that had people clamoring for him to try and change the rules so that he could come out after his freshman year. I mean, think about that. When you when you try and find a hole in Trevor Lawrence's game, the fact is there isn't one. So that's going to give you a level of hope coming into the the season and coming into what's going to be built over the next three to five years for the Jacks. Also, guys, let's look at the timing. I'm just hijacking this whole segment. But let's, let's look at the timing of the AFC South because – uh, I, I'm incredibly familiar with the Titans after all the years in Nashville. Uh, you're looking at a Titans team that's putting a ton of wear on the tires for Derrick Henry, and Derrick Henry is special right now. But there will be a limit to how many more years he's special. So I believe that the Titans are in a two- to three-year window right now that they've got to maximize because this is it for them. For the Colts, they haven't been able to figure out long-term what their quarterback situation is. They have a very talented roster, but they also have an offensive line that uh, hasn't necessarily been as good this year as it was last. They're in this little window right now. The Jags have this great opportunity of having not only the number one overall pick, but a ton of money to spend. And they've also got the window that comes with that rookie contract that gives them time. I mean, I think even if it takes Trevor Lawrence three years to become Trevor Lawrence the world beater that nobody can stop. That is exactly when the rest of the division should be falling off. And all of a sudden you've got this great opportunity for the Jags to go into an era of dominance. That's what you've got to believe right now. Well, Jason, and you just said it, you know, it, it could take two years. It could take three years. It could take one year. We'll see. But we're talking about these first round quarterbacks. Exactly. If you're a fan or even better, if you're a GM or a head coach, like how long do you give these guys? Cause you just brought up Sam Darnold and Adam Gase. Now let's be honest. Adam Gase is more detrimental to quarterbacks than a 225-pound bench press. It's just, it's a fact. He doesn't help the quarterback position whatsoever. But have you seen enough out of Sam Darnold where it's like, we got to move on, or do you want to see more? What are your thoughts about Tua Tonga Viola? Yeah, well, and see, this is where it gets really interesting because Kyler Murray was the case study in moving on quickly. And, you know, I've, the more I've talked to the Grazianos and Field Yates of the world, and 
and ask where that logic stands, the more that that is true. Like, we are in a world now where how long do you have to prove that you're it at quarterback? You have two years, and that's crazy. You know, I, I always go back to these music analogies, but I remember years ago reading an interview where Bono was talking about the fact that you 2 never would have made it if they were a band today because it took them three records to figure out who they were as a band, whereas now you get three singles, and if the third one isn't big, you're done. And that's where the NFL is, is the world now a quarterback. I mean, uh, if, if Tua, I believe that Tua can be great, and especially coming off of the injuries that he's come off of and trying to figure out the game with no offseason, I still believe that Tua is the type of quarterback you can absolutely bank on. But if, if, are the Dolphins going to absolutely pass on any? The Dolphins wouldn't pass on Trevor Lawrence if he was there. I mean, if they had a shot at Trevor Lawrence instead of Tua, I believe that they would move on in a heartbeat. So it's a reminder that you've got to go like right away when you think you've got a better guy. The one thing that separates Trevor Lawrence is his body of work so far is so pristine that I do believe that if he came out and struggled, the concept wouldn't be that Trevor Lawrence is the problem. The concept would be that the coaching staff is the problem. They're going to get a divisive camp, too, because you just brought up, obviously, the Arizona situation with Rosen and moving on. But also, I think some people now will bring up the Josh Allen situation in Buffalo, where they were patient and waited. And now look at the way he's playing. So uh, there's two different camps, I think, when it comes to two. Jason Fitz with us here on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Uh, you can listen to Spain and Fitz, 7 o'clock, all across the country on ESPN Radio. Uh, this is uh, – I've got to ask you about Urban Meyer. What, what's your take on Urban Meyer to the NFL game? Uh, do you have – have a, a favorite for a job you think might fit with Trevor Lawrence and Jacksonville of all the names that are thrown out there it, it might be the best pool of candidates that I've seen for an opening at least here in Jacksonville that I can remember well I mean if I could cherry pick any candidate to work with any quarterback in the world right now it's Eric Bieniemy, and that's not a hot take everybody knows how great Eric Bieniemy is and he's going to have his choice of jobs when he takes the job the first thing I would do if I'm Jacksonville by the way is I would go offer a blank check to whoever Trevor Lawrence tells me he wants a blank check offered to (laughs) on the Clemson coaching staff. I want to bring in somebody that knows Trevor Lawrence. I said that at the time. Like The fact that Joe Brady, the passing coordinator from LSU, has worked for the last year for Carolina instead of Cincinnati was an epic fail to me. So, you know, to me it's about the the people you can bring in to make Trevor Lawrence comfortable. You want to bring in somebody that you know can maximize what an offense can do. As for Urban Meyer – I I hope that his health is 100%. Let me be abundantly clear on that. Uh, Even with that knowledge, even if they came in today and said his health is 100%, we have to at least acknowledge that the reason he's walked away from jobs in the past is because when his teams lose, his health is not 100%. Wherever he goes, he's likely to lose a few games, at least in the beginning. I would be genuinely concerned about making an investment in Urban Meyer not knowing if that investment is really for one year or for five years. I know that in today's world, you never know anything. But the last thing you want to do is get your quarterback in a situation where you hire a coach who comes in and a year in decides, man, these health issues are still there. I still can't handle the anxiety and pressure and stress for my health that comes with losing football games. I'm out. And now all of a sudden you have a revolving door at quarterback. We all know that that's the number one thing at the NFL that will kill a young quarterback is a revolving door of coaches and play callers. So uh, if I'm the Jags, I'm taking somebody that I know will be with my organization for six years and is going to live this entire first contract with Trevor Lawrence so that we have continuity from the day that he walks in the building. Talking to Jason Fitz from ESPN. Jason, we got one last thing for you. Now, usually it's going to be a game, right? And I've had a lot of time to think about a game for you. But you know what? No games today. 
strictly business, uh, and this is a little more personal to me. I've had a lot of time to dwell on this. So you're a Raiders fan. You're, you're a diehard Raiders fan, and I respect the fandom. So before I answer, you know, before I ask this question, I want you to really think about this question. All right? I, I, I want you to construct it and give me a good answer. You ready for this? Yep. Why is Josh Jacobs making the Pro Bowl over James Robinson? <laughs> Brand power matters. I mean, uh, you know, because they're sorry that they didn't give Josh Jacobs more of a uh, more love for offensive rookie of the year last year. Uh, mm. You know, jo- Josh Josh is a talented, talented running back. I take sure. nothing away from that. Oh, he, is, he was yeah. not as good this year. He was not as good this year as he was last year. He took he got dinged up week one. I don't think he was ever healthy. I don't think it was ever really good for him the way it should be. So you know, he's in there because. He was drafted in the first round and because everybody knew his name coming into the season and because he was on fantasy football lineups and because the Pro Bowl was a joke. So all of those things together are why. Uh, and there's no better reason than that. Politics. You yeah. go with politics, yeah. Jason Fitz that's, that's from true. ESPN Radio, Spain and Fitz, 7 o'clock all across the country. Hey, man, Happy New Year. Good to have you back, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much, guys, and Happy New Year. You bet, right on, uh, man. Jason Fitz. You know, I, I could have spent another 10 minutes talking to Fitz. There's so much going on uh, right now in terms of the Heisman Trophy, which we'll get into a little bit, college football playoff. And, by the way, there's a report out, Brett McMurphy saying that there are concerns at Ohio State about COVID, and they could potentially. They're, they're looking into the idea of postponing the national championship game a week. For now, it's still on next Monday. But they could postpone it a week based on positive tests with COVID-19 at Ohio State, which is interesting if true or if they do, because when does that stop, Austin, would be something I would ask. Like, what if the next week Alabama has 15 guys out? You know, yeah. and what do they postpone it to the Super Bowl weekend? I, mean, I, is, I don't. What do you do there? I, I don't know how many times you could do that. And what's the cutoff of okay, that's too many guys that have tested. Uh, is it the normal under the scholarship limit? I think was like under 50. Yeah. Um, so it, it's something to keep an eye on. Brett McMurphy reporting that in the last little bit. What the heck is going on in the state of Ohio right now? Because like the Cleveland Browns have 17 players right now on the COVID-19 reserve list, including some coaches. So yeah, don't, don't you feel for the Cleveland fan a little bit? Like I, I don't know if I'm supposed to. Like there's some things that you can't say around here, right? Like you can't root. You, you definitely better not say anything nice about the Titans around here. You better not say anything nice about Jeff Fisher around here, uh, and 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 more. But I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but I actually feel good for the Bills fans right now and the Browns fans. But now you think about the Browns fans, they make it to the playoffs, they got all this going for them, and now they're not going to have their head coach. They're not going to have some of their key players. I mean, tough tough shakes. I mean, even two weeks ago, and of course Jacksonville benefited from it, but they didn't have their whole receiving core, and they had to sweat out the final week because of it. It ain't easy being a Browns fan right now. No, no. I mean, you go from complete adulation and celebration to are we going to have enough people to field the team? So it's definitely rough to be a Browns fan right now. But, hey, you guys are still in the playoffs after a long run, so you should be happy about that. I just don't get what's happening in Cleveland. It's winter there. Like, what are people doing right now where everyone's getting COVID-19? Like, aren't you guys indoors? Isn't there snow on the ground? As far as to answer your question with Ohio. Yeah, maybe. Um, (laughs) As far as the Ohio State game is concerned, Listen, like, even if there was one player, but that player is Justin Fields, like, 
then you put an asterisk next to that game. And the last thing college football needs right now is an asterisk next to any game. So I think as long as you have the stars for the most part healthy, as messed up as that sounds, you're going to be okay. But if you can't even feel the team right now, you do what you got to do because college football, they have to play this game. We have to see who the best team in the country is. That's how sports work. Heisman Trophy is tonight. Oddly enough, it's like not even on my radar, but it's tonight. And a couple of other things that I thought Fitz touched on that sparked my thought process going about Urban Meyer and and any coaching candidate here in Jacksonville. Uh, We continue the Jags talk, uh, some NFL talk, and Heisman conversation with a local, Mac Jones, and, of course, a Gator, Kyle Trask. They went from heavy favorites to maybe also Rams in this competition. I'll give you the odds breakdown on the way on ESPN 690. Austin Lane. Are we on right now or not? Like our screen? I guess we're good. Brent Martino. Yeah, you got to okay. go all the way. Yeah, we're back. Thanks for your concern. You're welcome. Uh. <laughs> Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. We were really focused on this game, which I'm really proud of everybody just locking into this. <laughs> and we've, we've won a lot of games, and a lot of people are going uh, to get awards. Um, so it's just part of the team effort. And then obviously the most important thing is not letting that be a distraction for our next game because... Uh, the next game is the most important game, and that's where we want to be. And we're finally here, and we got to score one more point than the other team. So um, that's kind of our goal. That is Mac Jones, quarterback for Alabama. Quarterback in the national title game coming up. Undefeated for the Crimson Tide. Crazy numbers. I think it's four 400-yard games. That hasn't happened before at Alabama. The deep ball has been a thing. Devontae Smith's been unbelievable. And also, he hails from Jacksonville. And I think that's pretty cool and probably not talked about enough right now. I know Kyle Trask obviously has put up some tremendous numbers. Those guys were going back and forth in the conversation. Now, all of a sudden, Devontae Smith is the favorite by a mile, it appears, to win the Heisman Trophy. And it's Heisman Trophy night tonight. Welcome to a recap of 2020, right? Yeah. <laughs> that the Heisman Trophy is being awarded on a Tuesday night yeah. in January. So bizarre that it's just not even like on my radar. My my clock doesn't tick that way uh, when it comes to the Heisman. But uh, it, I, I don't think we can understate the story of Mac Jones. I, I think it's really cool. And while I kind of say to, to the masses, it's almost like an out-of-nowhere story. It, it, we talked to his family last month, and... You know, Max put in a ton of work that I would say this isn't as surprising to people close to Mac Jones. But again, on the outside looking in, it's a heck of a story. And what I think sometimes people lose sight of, when you're talking about the sensational athlete, Austin, you played the game. You're still an MMA fighter. Uh, what people lose sight of when you talk about that 1% athlete that makes it to professional sports or a top flight athlete in college Sure, they're gifted. Mm-hmm. Sure, he's around a great program and great coaches and great players in, in, in Alabama. But don't dismiss the amount of work that went in to make him where he's at right now. The one thing people lose sight of LeBron James, who's one of the greatest of all time, is how much that guy works yeah. to stay at the top of his game. And to me, that's like, I got two kids in high school, man, baseball and softball, and they're just trying to make a high school team. But that's the thing that, uh, I guess, as a parent, you can kind of take and you, you, you show them the Mac Jones story, the Kyle Trask story, the story of really anybody that, that's made it at a high level in sports. Mm-hmm. That, But it's that 
yeah, they might have some God-given ability. But they busted their tail, man. And the story of Mac Jones and what he did in the pandemic to make his game even better going into 2020 and to see it pay off, I think that's the cool part of these kind of stories. So uh, a big congrats to Mac Jones who's a finalist tonight for the Heisman Trophy. No, it's awesome. Uh, So right now I'm looking up. Devontae Smith is uh, minus 1,000 to win it. Mac Jones coming in at plus 500. So all signs point to Devontae Smith, but we shall see. You brought up a great point, you know, of, of I guess, you know, just the, the mindset that it takes to get to where Mac Jones is right now. And especially the quarterback position, which I always say is the most important position in all professional sports. But it's so much more mental, right? Like, when I was coming up as a defensive end, like, I had height, right? I had decent speed. So, like, immediately that set me apart from everybody else. And don't get me wrong. Like, if you're trying to break down a quarterback, obviously, you know, the height can come into play. Uh, the, the arm strength comes into play. But it's mostly about your mindset, your decision-making, and getting better. And that's what Mac Jones has done. Like, there's a, listen, there's probably a million guys that are Mac Jones size. Right, but what separates Mac Jones from the other quarterbacks in college football right now is the work ethic, is the mindset, is the decision making. So it's a testament to just how far he's come. Obviously, he's minded his time, um, and now he's reaping the benefits. And obviously, you know, he's he's an underdog to win it tonight. And even if he doesn't win it, the fact that he's even in the category right now of one of the best college football players in the entire country—that's something you can always take home with you. Yeah, and, and he should. I mean, it's, and, and by the way, he's going to be maybe a first-round pick. I've seen mock drafts that have Mac Jones, like whatever the Patriots are picking, like 15th overall. Mm. And again, if I'm being honest, I think that's a little bit high. I'd be surprised at that. I don't think he can get wrapped up in that. But we're looking at Kyle Trask and Mac Jones as that, that next tier of quarterbacks that are probably going to be picked between, ah, I would say, pick 20 and pick 64. Like sometime between the late first round and the second round mm-hmm. would be my guess. Like if if you had to bet, would Kyle Trask and Mac Jones be gone by the time the third round starts? I would say absolutely. No, without a doubt, because listen, there's a lot of teams right now that aren't really comfortable with the quarterback position. So um, I definitely can see Trask and Mac Jones going by the third round. Uh, by the way, I want to add to your numbers a little bit, okay? On uh, we get these odds uh, sent to us. And so they might be a little bit different than um, than the the ones you're sharing. It's at sports betting mm-hmm. um, is where these odds are from. And so I get these all the time, and and I, the odds are just like you said. It's like out of control for um, uh, like what do you say minus a thousand or something? Smith. And this one actually Smith is minus fifteen hundred. Oh wow. Mac yeah. Jones minus five hundred to finish second. Trevor Lawrence projected to finish third, which means Trask, who people wanted to give the award to, and by the way, I don't blame him for that, a month ago, is predicted to finish fourth. And he might have the best numbers of any of them. Yeah, so here I'm looking, Kyle Trask is plus 7,500. My goodness. I mean, this was a Trask-Jones conversation two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Ah, Maybe two and a half. And then here comes Devontae Smith, and I think part of the reason, part of the this uh, all of a sudden wave for him to be the favorite to win the Heisman is not only because he's been incredible, but I think partly because they, we don't really know how to separate the Trask and Jones seasons, and we don't really know how to kind of quantify Trevor Lawrence because he had a very good season. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't on pace with the numbers and accolades of these guys, and he missed a couple of games because of COVID. So then you factor in the career award part of it. So we don't really know what the heck to do with the quarterback. So he said, you know what? 
Screw the quarterbacks. Let's give it to Devontae Smith yeah. because, quite frankly, that might be the best way to do it, not only this year, because it's the way the award's supposed to be handed out. Devontae Smith looks like the best player in college football to me. Uh, I think you can make a great case for these guys being finalists and Heisman candidates, but the best player in college football that I've watched with my eyes, I think, in 2020 has been Devontae Smith. And so I think that's why. I'm going to give you this, Austin. You ready? Hit me with it. Uh, I... I Ask the odds guy who sent me that email. I said, can you tell me what they were before the season on Trask, Jones, and Smith? And so he, he sent me an email back on January 14th, which obviously was way back, before the season started. Mac Jones was 10 to 1. Trask was 16 to 1, which actually was a little higher than I even thought. Mm-hmm. Smith wasn't even on the board <laughs> in January. Wasn't yeah. on the board. Yeah. Back on August 18th, Jones was still... 16 now 16 to 1 instead of 10 to 1. Trask was 25 to 1. And Devontae Smith was now on the board at 50 to 1. Wow. And he is now minus 1500 to win the Heisman Trophy. The moral of that story what I'm trying to tell you is take a look at the 2021 Heisman Trophy odds and go way down the list and try to find somebody that might win the Heisman Trophy that's not expected. No, without a doubt, especially at the wide receiver position where that doesn't happen a lot. So um, he's definitely an outlier in that. You know, I think Devontae Smith deserves to win it with all due respect to Mac Jones because, like, I mean, listen, I, I watched the you know college football semifinal, and it seemed like any time Devontae Smith got the ball, he was gone, right? And you can't say that about a lot of players um, – in college football. So I think he definitely deserves it. I think, you know, the whole Kyle Trask thing, I'm going to like the results if, if Smith or maybe if even Mac Jones wins because it shows that it's not exactly a stat-driven award still, right? Because, yes, Kyle Trask had some great stats, and you can't take that away from him. But the team wasn't the best team in college football, right? And I'm glad to see that still means something. Because at the end of the day, like even in the NFL, like do you know who, who led the league this year in passing yards, Brent? Uh, for the NFL passing yards, I want to say, uh, is it um, Josh Allen? Nope, it's Deshaun Watson. Okay. But, but nobody talks about him. Why? Because, well, let's be honest, he played on a pretty crappy team. So he's got the stats to say, well, man, this guy should be up there in the ranks of, of Aaron Rodgers, uh, Patrick Mahomes. But we don't include him in that conversation, at least I don't, because, well, let's be honest, Houston Texans not that good this year. I feel like it's kind of the same for the Heisman Trophy. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, the Florida Gators, that they played in the Cotton Bowl, it was still a, a decent season, but obviously they failed to go to the playoff and expectations weren't reached. They finished the season 8-4. and four. And I think, and I get it, the last game doesn't matter because the votes are already in. But if we're talking about Kyle Trask getting the Heisman Trophy after that game against Oklahoma, regardless of the excuses that Dan Mullen wants to pull out of his you-know-what, um, I would have a bad taste in my mouth of Kyle Trask winning the Heisman after he threw three interceptions. Yeah, I, I think you're right. You know, I mean, I, I think Trask has lost a little bit of it. The loss to LSU was really devastating. I think he, he acquitted himself nicely against Alabama. Uh, and by the way, the votes were then by in after the Alabama game, and so this latest bowl game didn't matter, but certainly the wave, uh, and I wonder if that's just Vegas playing around with that emotion, because remember, the votes were already in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think they're going to pull away from each other. Hey, I'm going to give you more odds, okay? Um, you like Vegas? Do you believe Vegas, Austin? Are okay. you a Vegas believer? Okay. Are you? Uh, am I a Vegas believer? Um, yeah. 
when it comes to the lines, yes. When it comes to the good time of the city, well, I'm at bachelor party there, and I don't really remember much. So I'll get back to you on that one. I've never been to Vegas. Yeah. Um, but I think Vegas is smart. Okay. Vegas knows their stuff. Okay. Vegas, I don't know if they're right more than they're wrong. Oh, Brent, the house always wins. Yeah. Rule they, number one in Vegas. The house always wins, and, and they really know how to, they know how to tug at you. You know, yeah, yeah. they know what you're going to fall for. They know you're going to always pick <laughs> the Patriots, right? Yeah. And so you're going to take the Patriots to cover all the time with Belichick and Brady. But then they're going to get you on that <laughs> little back door. They know that that I'm going to pick Alabama to beat Notre Dame by more than 20. And they're going to dominate the game. And then freaking Notre Dame in the last 45 seconds is going to backdoor cover mm-hmm. on a plunge from one yard out by Ian Book and cost me my bowl pool. But, but, but who's keeping track? You are, obviously. Right, Sorry, man. Are you back. all right, man? You good? Back. Oh, that's a lot of that's a pretty good chunk of change um, in that bowl pool. That I thought we can't talk about this type play. of stuff. Uh, why, why do I get yelled at for this type of stuff, but you just let it flow like the rivers of the Mississippi? <laughs> so here we go. Will Urban Meyer be coaching in 2021? Oh, where will Urban Meyer be coaching in 2021? Okay. Okay. Hit me with it. Not coaching an NFL team. Plus 150. Those are pretty – that's not bad still. Like, that's almost even. Okay. Almost. Any other NFL team, plus 2,800. The okay. New York Jets, plus 2,800. The Jacksonville Jaguars, minus 220. Mm. So I kind of went reverse order. But Jacksonville Jaguars are minus 220. Not coaching an NFL team is plus 150. What's interesting here is they didn't put the Chargers on here. Because I would think the job for Meyer is between, if he's going back, is three things for Meyer. Am I going back in? Am I coaching the Jaguars? Or am I coaching the Chargers? Like, if I was Urban Meyer, that's what I'd be thinking. Yeah. Am I going to go? And if I am, which job am I taking? And those are the two that I'm flirting with, and that's it. Uh, that's it. So, yeah. minus 220. That Urban Meyer will be coaching the Jags in 2021, and uh, not coaching an NFL team is plus 150. So it's still, you know, odds are pretty close on that front. Who will be the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars for Game One of the 2021 mm, 2022 season? This is interesting. Urban Meyer is minus 230 in this one. Eric Bieniemy comes in next at plus 750. Wow. So if you don't, which I'm kind of a this guy. Like, I'm not convinced Urban Meyer is going to come back to coach. Yeah. So the odds are pretty good that you could take enemy at plus 750. That's a nice payday. Mm. Brian Dable, who I haven't even seen them request an interview for yet, unless I missed that, plus 750. Mm-hmm. Jim Caldwell's plus 950. Robert Sala, plus 750. Marvin Lewis, plus 1,400. That's a sneaky, sleepy good one right there. And uh, I'm not even going to go over these other guys. Byron Leftwich, <laughs> by the way, is plus 1,800. But I, I, I don't think any of the other guys, like Bill O'Brien, Joe Brady. Uh, <laughs> well, excuse me? Mike Kafka, Bill Byron Leftwich, Lincoln Riley. I, I don't even think he's interested anymore. Jason Garrett. I don't Brian, think those guys what are is, What is Bill O'Brien? Uh, Bill O'Brien's plus 1,800. Somehow not the enough. same as Joe Brady. Not enough. And somehow the same as Byron Leftwich. Not enough. I'm going to need at least a plus 25,000. Listen, if you gave me a $100 bill and I look at probability versus value, uh, I would put it on Marvin Lewis, plus 1400 
Uh, and then I would buy you dinner. I mean, I mean yeah, then I absolutely then please do that. Do that do that right now. Don't think, just do it. But with that being said, like listen though, you're you're the guy that's always telling me this is the hottest coaching job in the NFL. It is. Like but do you think Marvin Lewis is really one of the hottest coaches to get? Like to me, if you don't get Urban Meyer, isn't Bienemy the next logical choice? Yeah, he is. Yeah, that's a fair point. Um by the way, I was talking to a guy last week, okay? I'm talking yeah. to somebody on the phone. And that person, I'm not gonna tell you who it is. That person had to hang up the phone because Eric Bieniemy was calling them. No way. <laughs> yeah. How about that? Fun little story. Hey, that, that's a, you can't keep telling me who it is out there. Yeah, I'll tell you. All right, who it is cool. Check this out too. Guess what? I got an invite. I think it's tomorrow or the next day to a Detroit Lions private meeting to talk about their future, their franchise. Really? Do we, do we broadcast during the show? <laughs> yes. Go in. I'm okay. You got to go in that. Okay. I want more. I want details. Brent, I was there for like four weeks. So what? <laughs> what hey. You're a stockholder. <laughs> we'll be back on ESPN 690. I fully expect the bowl championship series to, or the football uh, series here to expand. We'd love for that to include Jacksonville. I know there are a lot of things going on locally here that may enhance that opportunity, but certainly uh, we'd like to move up in the process and be able to, to be the destination for future big-time games. Um, we're already placed to where you have the SEC and the ACC facing off, and even though this was an unusual year, you saw the competitive nature of the game here uh, last weekend. So uh, certainly we want to advance the game as best we can, move forward, and certainly uh, that takes a local effort to get that done, but certainly the upside is tremendous. That is Greg McGarity. I think it's a great move today by the Taxlayer Gator Bowl. He becomes the president and CEO, taking over for Rick Catlett. McGarity is a familiar name. He's been the athletic director and just retired at the University of Georgia. So uh, he's moved into the area. He knows the area. Obviously, he was at Florida as well. So he, he helped uh, keep the... Georgia-Florida game here. I'll say Georgia-Florida in this instance because we're talking about McGarity. And, uh, you know, I shouldn't say help keep it here, but obviously was involved in those negotiations, was a believer in it here. And now he gets to be in charge of the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl, and I guess there's still visions of maybe getting one of those college football playoff games someday, especially if it expands in Jacksonville. We'll see, and I think a lot of that will depend on Lot J and Stadium. And, and But that dream isn't dead, I think, downtown for a lot of folks in the college football world. I think it's a great play um, by the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl and having McGarity involved. I think he really understands this market, and I don't know where bowl games are going. I, I don't have a lot of faith in bowl games. Uh, I think this year, unfortunately, and I, I hate to say it because I'm a big believer in local sports, I just... I, I don't even think many people kind of realized that game was going on, uh, unfortunately, in town. I think some of it because a lot of the activities before the bowl game um, didn't matter. I think because of the Trevor Lawrence and the Jags coaching changes and all those other things, it got buried. Mm-hmm. But it was a noontime game on Saturday. It was a pretty good game, 23-21, Kentucky over NC State. And I, they have to raise the profile of that game more if anybody can do it. I think McGarity's the right guy to do it, so uh, pretty interesting. Uh, Brett Martineau, Austin Lane, just got a couple minutes before the break, then we'll get right back into all this uh, NFL talk and uh, also the Jag search and, and the latest on that as names continue to surface. Uh, Austin, do you check out? i got a little tribute going behind me today. 
here at home. Let me pull up the video real quick. Oh, Hall of Fame Steph, I assume. Right? Very good. Nice. Hall of Fame Steph. That's repping right. It, repping it. Do, do you have like a frame, like, I don't know, like a work shirt that you have up there, too, to put on for your no, side or not? Nothing. I, I have uh, Steph framed my uh, college jersey. Nice. There we go. Yeah, I wasn't going to put that. I felt that might have been a little kind of too much. I got like put my own jersey right behind me. <laughs> it would have been pretty aggressive. Yeah, but, I mean, you know, maybe. But hey, here's the problem. Here's the problem. I got a Minshew, right? <laughs> yeah. Which is actually for Kaylee, but I stole it to put it down here okay. when I was doing all the stuff from home. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, it doesn't feel good putting that behind right now. And over there on that wall, I don't, I don't even. Th- I should just do it for posterity's sakes. Yeah. I got a Blake Bortles one over there. Ooh, Brent. <laughs> hey, by the way, investing man. It's the mustard jersey, Brent. <laughs> Did, did did you actually pay like real no. U.S. presidential pictures for? Okay, I was gonna say no for that um, mustard. Come on, man. I but, did, but I it's did. like, but I had it. So see, what was I supposed to do with it? I got it free. I mean, I had to do it. But it's so bad. Like I'm talking about the jersey. Uh, the fact that it's it's almost great, right? It's, I, it's like might, a piece of pop culture. It is. It yeah. is. I, I might put that one behind me if I'm back here tomorrow. Uh, that I should be like do. in the NFL Hall of Fame one day. <laughs> it uh, I like Blake. Carson Wentz didn't talk to the media. Blake Bortles would have talked to the media. <laughs> we'll be back an hour to go on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690.